You're listening to the Do Good Podcast, official podcast of the Do Good Collab, where it's our purpose to build a community with no boundaries that connects us not because of what we do or a specific interest, but to feel a shared mission and quest towards improving our collective human lives and the planet around us. If we can create a force for good that aligns us between all areas of work and expertise and lets us feel like we're on the same broader team while we continue our individual work, imagine the world we can create. You're about to hear me talk with Jeffrey Duringberger. Jeffrey has over 10 years of experience in creating consumer applications, B2B software products, and launching startups. He's the founder and CEO of Vault Innovation, where over the past decade, he's seen the launch of hundreds of digital products, including applications for the Chicago Tribune, Kate Somerville, and the National Restaurant Association. He's also a partner at Gamers Arena that provides video game contests for cash prizes, and he's the founder of Leaf Trade, a wholesale marketplace for cultivators and dispensaries of cannabis in Colorado. Let's get right into it. Hello. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're here. Thanks for having me. Everyone, I am very, very excited to be sitting here today with Jeffrey. What's your last name, Jeffrey? <laughs> Jeffrey Duringberger. Duringberger, the CEO of Vault Innovation, amazing mobile development organization. But there's also a lot of other stuff that you do. I'm not exactly sure where to start. How about in whatever way you feel most comfortable just giving a quick introduction as to who you are and what you do? Sure. I've been in uh, a lot of roles and done a lot of things in my career, but kind of professionally, you know, really I'm an entrepreneur and my background has kind of been in technology for a long time. I started my career doing a couple startups, did a little bit in the the esports, and then I went into the agency world to kind of hone my craft. So Mm -hmm. when you sort of get your your butt kicked out there, not knowing what you're doing, you you want to learn and get better. And so I did a lot there learning. And then coming up on seven years ago now, I started Vault Innovation and we are a venture studio. And so um, that's kind of a a phrase. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So this is kind of a phrase that's sort of being thrown about in the industry these days. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of like an accelerator slash incubator, which I think a lot of people are relatively familiar with, but it's it's much more. But as a consultancy, Uh, a private incubation? Um, I would say it's a more hands-on sort of accelerator, mm. more hands-on incubator. So the best way I would describe it is that if you go into an accelerator... More first, first-hand. Yes. One-to-one. Right there. Yes. There's no layers in between you, any kind of resources or support that you need. Uh, yes, C- correct. So, Which ex- in turn, I assume, makes it a more expensive operation, but <laughs> that's natural, right? Well, no, that's the, I mean, that's the other side of this. So, you know, Vault, we try to spin out new companies and new startups, and we also try to enhance, you know, new companies with mm-hmm. technology. So our craft, or a lot of people kind of measure us on our output, which is technology, which is, you know, mobile apps, web apps. That's, that's a very tangible output, but it's so much more 
more than that. I mean, if you're just sort of developing something, you're kind of missing the point 90% of the time. You you have to look at what you're building technology for, what is it doing. Great point. I'm glad you said that. Kind of the Venture Studio, again, kind of takes that full process into account. You know, what, what's the problem? What are you trying to build? And then, of course, we can build it and do build it. And then you have to iterate and figure it out and scale and sell and all that. So that full process is something, yes, our team can plug into and do very, very well because we've done it many, many times. So it's uh, it's sort of like a, saying, a startup hey. team in a box. We have the skills. We can make what you want, but what is it that you're making yeah. this for? Yes. And <laughs> most of the battle, to be honest with you, these days. I mean, it's not always easy to make. There's obviously very, very difficult technology to make out there, but a lot of technology, if you know what you're doing, is not that hard to make. It's making it really good, or making it very easy to use, or putting it in front of the right people that need to use that technology. So the Venture Studio model is—it's relatively a new sort of branded model. It's not really a new concept. I mean, this has been happening for a long time, but kind of the way I'd boil it down to is it's a team of highly skilled, experienced professionals, and we focus on technology. So kind of in this technology product roles and business roles, and you work towards a, you know, a common objective or a common venture. So it's exciting. It's hard. It's fun. And, uh, you know, I love it. That's awesome. You know, half of this is really like process and approach. And so, you know, a lot of this follows very standard, you know, methodologies that are out there, whether it's the lean startup methodology or other techniques around it, but it's how you approach things, how you test things, how you experiment with things and doing that with authority. Right, it, it, right. You're a trusted yes, authority. Yes. Exactly. And so, I, you know, I don't know how many times in my in my career, you know, you would go, man, if I only could get in that room or mm-hmm. or I, I already said that to that guy. Why didn't he listen to it? Or, or I thought the same thing. But then, you know, someone else would come in and say the exact same thing, but they had they had more authority or more experience in right. the space. So now it felt good. Now it resonated. And there's a lot of things that happen in this environment, really any environment, any professional environment, any personal environment. There's things that you know, there's things that you don't know, and there's things that you don't know that you don't know. That's true. That's so, keep going. That's and, funny. And <laughs> what, uh, you know, I've found is a lot of times there's people that are very open and very humble and very, you know, I, I really don't know what I'm doing and kind of just open. There's people that sort of know it all or think they know it all. And then there's, there's kind of that blend. And so mm. when I was early in my career, there was about, there was about a six month period where I was the most education that I ever probably had in my entire life, where I, I was being exposed to so much so quickly. Brain sponge. Yes. Just, just the matrix style. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, flip and, Your and it, it was this weird blend of my curiosity, my attention to detail, my my humbleness Sub- and surroundings. Yes. And- who and in the environment that I was in where it just was like, oh, my gosh, I am becoming a, you know, a different creature in this space. The epiphany after epiphany. And you can see epiphany. it in real time, yes. just how you were changing as a person. Yes. That's kind of a really cool thing, though. It was exi- it was very exciting, and, I, and at the time I kind of felt it and kind of aware, but it was more sort of when that cycle was dying down. And, and the you, contrast, you, you kind of go, "Oh wow, man! I remember when I was yeah. when my brain was exploding." And that's, um, <laughs> you know, I, I have those epiphanies still all the time, but not for like a six month chunk of period like that. And why that was successful was again that, that I was around people that were doing this, getting fed confidence. I was getting fed direction, but it also wasn't. It was also saying, "Figure it out." in which I was just doing. But that's not really a core thing that I do at Vault is really sort of a a service or anything, but it's something that I'm around a lot, which Mm. is, you know, just helping people sort of see through some of this and going through this process is very hard. I mean, anything in life is professional.
professionally, it can be very hard, specifically when you're um, you're doing it for the first time. And so, you know, this space, it's just so interesting over the years, what I've come across and what I've seen. And then, of course, how I can help. So it's been a, a, a fun kind of retrospective in some regards in that in that area of my career. But, you know, that's something that I hope I'll be doing forever. You know, I hope you never sort of stop having those epiphanies and I hope you never stop right, sort of sharing yeah. those epiphanies. Otherwise, um, you know, otherwise, I don't know. I feel like I'd be a little disappointed in myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think fortunately for us, though, that like you said, you don't know what you don't know. So navigating through that next layer of epiphanies is there's not necessarily a, a roadmap for it always, but that our capabilities can constantly be enhanced. So there's really no limit as to how much you can improve. Uh, agreed. I think that's a very accurate statement. And if you want to, you know, sort of learn something or go in a direction, I mean, there shouldn't be anything that stops you. And if you have a confidence to do it, it can work. If you're sort of going, I want to go in this direction, but I'm not really sure it can end badly or end not the way you want it to end. Yeah, yeah. And so there's just so much mental stuff. I mean, there's all these things coming out now about just mental health, mental performance, how mental everything is, how mental sports are, how mental, how mental business is. And there's lots of, you know, coaching executive code, all this stuff. And it's no one's changing your role. No one's changing your skills. It's sometimes it's confidence. Sometimes yeah. it's an outlook. It's, it's They're just uh, changing your relationship yeah. to your work. I think inherently when you do work with experienced people or have a co-founder or a partner or a good leadership team, those are huge benefits yeah. of it. And so, you know, I, I come across a lot of individual solo entrepreneurs or solo founders and I've been there. I've, I've started my own stuff on my own or run my own stuff on my own. And you have no out, outlet for anything. Thing. You know, it's man, I didn't get that sale. Well, that was me. Right. Man, yeah. I didn't I didn't hit this deadline. Well, well, that was me. And it's not that, but you can sometimes get into that hole of yeah, it. Yeah. So it's a journey and a half to to put it mildly. Wow. Yeah, for sure. I, I can imagine you know, as progressively as you gain more and more responsibility, but you may not be progressively gaining more and more competence as to how to handle that responsibility. You may have a very high skill level, but that skill level doesn't necessarily correlate with your ability to handle the pressure bringing on that extra responsibility. So I see exactly what you mean. And I think that's important that more people take time to think about not to avoid problems, but like you said, to realize that even if you are where like the block stops, you're in that leadership position and you're essentially what poor results are blamed for, that you can still kind of not suffer that experience as much, that there are ways to learn how to suffer that experience less just by how you are. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's... Sorry, this is your interview. Uh, yeah, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, I mean, it, it's an interesting topic for sure. And, you know, the mental side of anything is always very intriguing to me. And it's obviously very, very complex, very complex. <laughs> Where, where do you see venture studios going? Well, I don't know. I've, I mean, like I said, it's kind of something that's been around, specifically this kind of tech startup movement that's was going on for the last 20, 30 years or so. Like I said, I don't think it's really that big of an evolution or that jump of kind of how it's been going. I think what's sort of going on, or, or I think what kind of the impetus of this sort of model has been basically everyone's just trying to find a way to win the investment race or the investment challenge. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's all these different models. There's all these different funds sprouting up. They're investing 
investing in this vertical only or this type of company or this founding company only or this much monthly revenue. I mean, everyone kind of has their own take on what a good investment is and what's not. And, you know, they've got models and algorithms and, and you know, subjective gut checks and relationships. You know, and there's so many ways to sort of look at a business and kind of the overarching theme you'll hear from investors over a certain amount of time that they do it is like, well, you can't really predict all of this. You know, you don't know what's going to Coming happen in the next moment. Yeah. Yes. I mean, if I deploy capital here, they are the smartest five people that I can think of to solve this huge problem that we know. All right, there they go. And then, you know, let's say someone, again, you go back to the mental side. Let's say someone gets disinterested. Let's say they have a personal issue. Let's say that that yeah, personal yeah. team gets in a fight. I mean, it, it, can, we never know, it yeah. can be so fickle that disrupts this space. Let's say the, the they tripped on a sidewalk crack. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say the, they had a relationship with this potential partnership and that guy quit the company or he got fired. You know, everything can unravel so quickly. So you can't really predict the future. But so well, we can't really predict it, but we let's really try to increase the odds of doing that. So VCs oftentimes will put like an entrepreneur in resident or they put platform people and go, all right, I'm putting a lot of money in here. Now my people are watching over you. You know, you're getting my general counsel. You're getting my finance person. You're getting whatever. And that was kind of where they started going. Those were sort of the, maybe the lowest hanging fruits. And then that's now just sort of evolved further. It's like, well, no, here's my development team. Here is my marketing team. Here is my sales team. Like here are the people that are now doing the X's and O's, not just kind of looking over everything. And so that's really where it's sort of come from. So where it's going to go, I mean, it all comes back to, is this a model that's going to make sense? And, you know, it's kind of early where you're seeing these huge foundations where some venture studios are getting $50 million, $100 million, whatever it is to do this. And they basically have this whole team deployed to do it. You know, if they're getting better returns or, or better ROI on those investment dollars, I mean, you bet you it's going to keep going more in that direction, but we'll see. You know, it's a it's a model we still are constantly evolving with internally at Vault. We're always looking at other angles of it. You know, there's two ways to do it. I mean, you obviously incubate your own stuff in-house, which is, you know, we find our own problems, our own solutions, more or less our own companies. And then there's other ones where you kind of work with other entrepreneurs and partner with them to help incubate their, their concepts. And so... Wait, so as a venture studio, you're also constantly in your own way solving problems yeah. and creating solutions and creating products and services in your in your own way. Yes. Yes. And so, how do you deploy those or who does the responsibility <laughs> of those go over to? That's the biggest thing. So if you look at other, you know, again, more venture studios or even just VCs, so Lightbank is kind of known for this. Like they've spun out a lot of ideas that organically came from their research, their own teams. And then once they sort of hit a next level, they put an operating team and spin it out. That's work very, very well for them. Most of their capital has been deployed in other traditional investments, but those ones they've done that way have been hugely successful and they've got a huge track record of doing it. And so that's kind of a reputation that they have at some level. But so what happens in that case is you're sort of going, well, all right, we've incubated an idea. We found a problem. We validated the problem. You know, we defined a solution and that solution has been validated and accepted by the market. You know, we, we have customers, people are buying it, whatever. Well, now we need to scale this thing. Now we need to sell it. Now we need to recruit a right, team. Right, now, right. whatever, conquer the world, right? That you got to now go, all right, I got to get all of the roles that you normally have with a founding team, right? Right. You know, you need- Oh, so you guys find the people who can fill those roles after you've created- There's two models. Yes, we can do it that way. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other way where, again, kind of founders are there and then we're surrounding them with the resources to take it off, but they're right. running with it. And then the other way is you, you kind of do everything and go, hey, we got it to level two, three, yeah, five. Yeah. And then, and then you, you have the to find- Oh. Yeah, right. So- 
this is where you know lots of people have lots of opinions on what's again, the right or wrong yes, way to like go about. Like, how do you manufacture success? How do you manufacture startups? And that's what venture studios are trying to do. Mm. That's what we're trying to do. And, you know, again, if it was easy, it would be more, even more common than it is now. But it is very hard because it's not just making technology. It's not just selling. It's, it's the whole thing. Yeah. And you have to do it in a different vertical. And it, it's just at a constant... Constant continuum based on your <laughs> yes. best inclinations of the day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, again, it, it's very exciting and it's very challenging. And there is a process around it. That's the thing. Like, we're not just sort of randomly looking at things. We have an old evalu evaluation process of what verticals are interesting to us, what problems do we like? What kind of business models do we like? And then of course, what's the barrier to the market? What are the table stakes, if you will, to play in this space? You know, we evaluate our own way and other people evaluate it different ways, but kind of guess the poker analogy, I mean, once you put your chips on the table and play the hand, there's so many ways to do it. So yeah, yeah. what would you like to see be the impact of Vault Innovation in a, in a broad sense, in a general sense? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I do think about that. What do you that. hope to come out of Venture Studios, period? If you just kind of look at it, I mean, I guess the American economy or kind of the demographics, the middle class is kind of a pretty healthy place to be, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of small, medium businesses that are basically making that happen. And so, you know, starting your own business and kind of having that, you know, American dream, if you will, or being an entrepreneur, you know, if you can dream it, you can do it type of thing. I mean, it, it is an amazing feeling. There's nothing like it that I've experienced really. And it is a unique skill and it also has its unique rewards. I think the dream or kind of the vision that I have for that is to just to be able to spin that up and to spin that out. I think that there's so much in the world that's run by people sort of successfully growing their own thing. And so, you know, it's empowering people to sort of make decisions and disrupting things, whatever it is. I think that cycle of growth or small businesses sort of rising up is just very healthy for, I mean, any community around the world, you'll notice that small business or that cycle of startups growing and constantly poking through the clouds is a the sign of a healthy kind of environment or healthy economy. So I I like to support that and I love being a part of it. I love sort of seeing the successes. So with the venture studio model, it's kind of saying, hey, let's sort of support and facilitate as many people poking through yes. the clouds as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, let, let's, yeah, let's have the, these small businesses succeed and let's see if they can grow into bigger businesses. But there's a lot of problems out there that need to be solved. Yeah, and, you for know, sure. I mean, I, some of them are kind of niche or small, but they're problems nonetheless. And so I think there's a positive sort of cycle with creating new businesses and people succeeding in that. And, and and we think that we're, you know, contributing to that. That's awesome. Well, I hope you feel like you are contributing to that because that's a great mission. Could you tell me a little bit more about your work with Gamers Arena? Yeah, so Gamers Arena, a really interesting one. So I've been in gaming since I can, I don't know, remember. I mean, I, I have uh, three older brothers. So I was sort of exposed to, I think, things a little earlier than than others, right? I got into gaming very young, like, you know, kind of Atari, Nintendo. I got uh, the original Xbox. With my, my family got one for me when I was four. Okay. Yeah. Yes, so yes. I also I share your yeah share and your story. I remember when it happened. I mean, you know, very clearly it was a very amazing sort of experience. I was talking to my parents the other day. I have three kids now, and we're at this threshold of do I open this up? Do I you know give them gaming and and you know get into it? And I know when I do, it's gonna just be the floodgates opening up. I was asking my uh, my mom the other day. So you know when when you got the Nintendo, did you know what it was going to to do? Mm -hmm. did, did you did you know 
know the impact it was going to have on us. And she was like, no idea. It was just a toy. Thought it would be something you play with for a couple months. But I mean, that transcended everything. I mean, that changed yeah, the yeah. whole world, basically. So she's like, no, I definitely would not have gotten that for you guys if I had known. <laughs> Anyways, I, I've always been enamored with games. And I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't, I didn't think it was like a tangible career. I didn't, I didn't think that that was something that I could make a living doing, whether it's playing games being around games, making games. I think nowadays, as a kid, you're exposed. You're seeing, you know, all the transparency of how much money is in the space. You know, the pro circuit in schools now. You can get scholarships. I mean, it's just a whole different sort of even outlook. just in like three years ago. Yes. It's a whole different outlook on what gaming is, what esports is. Is it healthy for you? I mean, there, there's a whole just evolution of what it really means. And it's taking, obviously, a generational to, to kind of get through that. So I've always been in gaming. So Gamers Arena is essentially a contest platform or sort of tournament platform where you can play games for rewards and cash. It's a kind of really entertaining sort of product. It's something that we spun up a couple years. It's one of our ventures in our portfolio. There's definitely a lot of stuff in that marketplace. I dabbled in that space many years ago, and there's a lot of sort of tournament sites out there. There's a lot of places where you can play games. There's even some sites where you can win some money. But ultimately, the thing that we sort of focused on or thought was a big opportunity when we first sort of came out with it was time to play. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a pro gamer. I never was. Didn't have the skills to. But I, I mean, I played a lot. And a lot of people are the same that, that I am. I like to play. I like to compete. I like to win. But I know I'm not going to... If there's a thousand dollars on the line am i going to be the biggest fish in that pond to win a thousand dollars no probably not but could i win some of that money maybe but the long story short is i just want to play yeah like, i want to yeah. play the game and i want to win and so what the concept was is instead of like sitting in a lobby matching up with someone to play you, you got to friend him you got to wait in line you got to wait for five o'clock what if they're late you know there's all this just sort of junk around logistics of matching up with someone we yeah oh i get oh wow you're just bringing up so many <laughs> flashbacks of all of the like young adolescent logistic issues oh, yeah. with your friends hey when are you gonna oh but the internet's not, yeah. not connecting and oh but our mic is broken <laughs> and the, yeah so on and so What's your, I typed your name in wrong. What's your code? You know, all this. So it was a thing that we very intimate experience with and we saw in all the platforms. So we, we wanted to reduce that. So it was like, I don't need to match up with you to play you. I'm going to play you on my score. It's almost like a leaderboard model, almost like going back to the, the old arcades. I don't play you directly, but I play against you with my performance. Okay. And, that, and that's a really sort of unique thing out in the space. There's more stuff coming up doing that. But that was a big thing we believed in. The other thing was the honor system. I played you, I beat you, or you beat me whatever and you're not happy about that so you go no 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 i won did you ever see this documentary about the donkey kong player i did who... it's the fist fistful of court oh it's <laughs> yeah. one of the best it's highly recommended <laughs> one of the best movies ever even if you're not in video games it's amazing yes so I for, you know what i'm talking I about do, exactly though, yeah. yeah but the, the, the other concept though was the truth in the purity of the competition so uh, again right now the only way in most of these tournament platforms you can record your score is if just self-recorded i beat you you know five to one and if that person for whatever reason disputes it they can say no i beat you five to one well what do you do <laughs> I mean, as a scoring platform on, on a virtual online system, what do you do? So a lot of them now have dispute mechanisms. You put screenshots in or whatever. But so what we did was, hey, you have to stream to play. We'll look at your stream and we'll parse out the score from your stream. Basically, we're going to score it for you. So the, the integrity was pure. The score was pure. You know, there was no way to cheat the system. Mm. Well, that was some of the foundations of this tournament platform and some really cool technology in it. It's been an exciting journey with gamers. And Where do you see games going in general that you think would be across the board? positive for everyone 
what is like the ideal future of games in in Jeffrey's head? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm kind of a simple guy, you know. I mean, I don't need much to be kind of entertained for some level, right? Mm-hmm. But some people are looking at VR as like the next sort of gaming environment. And I mean, VR is obviously a very powerful technology. And at some point, I mean, we've been teased with it many times over the years. It seems like we are kind of the furthest along now. But I don't know if that's really now. You know, Google and these other companies are kind of releasing different forms of how you're experiencing games, and you're not really downloading anything. It's all kind of streamed and all that. The new 5G or whatever coming out, I mean, the accessibility of playing a game anywhere and how that happens, I mean, that's going to change the game. So, you know, I'm just trying to think of when I, when I first got, you know, a smartphone, you know, you huge metropolis area of Chicago and like you couldn't use your phone. We didn't have the bandwidth, the Wi-Fi, the connectivity to do it. You have this awesome thing and just can't do anything. That's evolved obviously very fast. And so, you know, it's going to evolve again. And I do think that's going to change the way we interface with anything. It's going to take some time though, but there's, there's so many parallel paths in gaming. Like it's not just one path, but I mean, mobile gaming, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I was talking to someone the other day about this. Gaming's evolved so much, you know, more graphics, bigger graphics, bigger sound, immersive worlds, like crazy, crazy intense games. And then now it's kind of a little bit devolving into mobile back to the roots of, you know, side scrollers and yeah, very yeah. simple things. And uh, Tendo, I think, uh, has always kind of proven this. It's like if you have a fun experience and a fun gameplay, people are going to play it. It doesn't need to be the biggest, the best, the loudest, the whatever. I don't think there's a clear answer for me where I think gaming is going, but I mean, social is going to be, I mean, it's all community social based, you know, the multiplayer thing is clearly just trumping everything, you know, I mean, that's where it's going. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And I mean, I'm sure I'll be a part of it along the way. Do you think games are a good tool for education? I do. I definitely do. I remember reading an article. I think I was trying to convince my parents so I can play more video games, right? Back when uh-huh. I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Dad, you know that people that are good at video games are, are good surgeons, right? You know, they're, they're good. They're good. <laughs> they're good with their hands. You know, yeah. they do studies on the brain, all that. I mean, learning how to, to play a game or to really just overcome a problem. So it's problem solving. Yeah. Most gaming is very sort of activating to the brain. Obviously, when you play it for a hundred hours or those brainwaves aren't firing that way, it becomes now reflexes yeah, and stuff like that. Diminishing so, returns yes, becomes repetitive. Yeah. From the education perspective. But but yes, I mean, you, you drop someone in front of a game and go figure it out. Th- there are lots of things going on with the brain there. But I also think, I mean, in the environment that I'm in, you know, innovation, what's the next thing, right? This is constantly being looked at. You know, one of the big things that's being discussed right now is kind of the elderly sort of generation and how big, I mean, the people that are kind of becoming senior citizens citizens now, they're the highest population of kind of the the generation cohorts, and they're about to hit some serious elderly problems. And, you know, we're entering this new realm where people are living longer, we have better medicine, but they don't necessarily work that whole time. There's just a whole new social thing that's happening. There's a whole new physical thing that's happening. There's a whole new mental thing that's happening. And so anything in that space is obviously heating up. And one of the things in that space is cognitive capacity and gaming if you will, with quotes, is going to be huge in that space. I mean, I've joked around with my... I mean, I think that's funner than just sitting in the retirement home and doing nothing. <laughs> well, that's what, I went into a physical therapy center and they talked to them. They have, they have physical therapy like games. Have you seen... I didn't even know this existed until I went to a friend of mine's house recently who, as we've gotten older, has still very much stayed up to date on all things gaming related. There's been progressively more and more exercise related games but they actually made this new controller specifically that responds to your body weight so that you're like doing kind of push-ups and 
things yeah. while playing the game and it kind of blew my mind. I mean, that stuff is really cool. Actually, amazing technology. It still kind of blows my mind when I do it. I remember the Kinect, the, X, the Xbox yeah, Kinect yeah. came out, played with it, and it was like, this is amazing. And I was like, I got to get a workout game. And like, I got this workout game and, you know, my wife, girlfriend at the time, I was like, oh, she'll do this. So we get this like workout game and you do like aerobics. You know, I think I did it like once. I was like, okay, I'm getting a good work. This is good. And, you know, maybe like the third time, it just sort of hit me and I go, what kind of moron am I? All of these games are a workout. Why did I get the one that is literally a workout? That's not fun. All these, <laughs> it was just sort of this epiphany again. You're like, oh my God, the power of this thing. Like again, you're swatting things, you're jumping things. You don't know you're getting workout, but you are. You can get into it. Like some of the, the track ones and the sport ones. I mean, like you're running and jumping yeah, and yeah. it's it's great. It's it's a it's a good time. Just all that visual stimulation and extra points as you, at least the game is telling you, progressing physically. Yeah. And for a lot of people, I think it's a good thing because otherwise people may not have considered doing any kind of like physical exercise. Now they're like, yay, I can finally <laughs> tell me more about Leaf Trade. So yeah, Leaf Trade. Um, and I really am curious to hear your thoughts about this because right now there's kind of this taboo of cannabis and slowly but surely it's becoming closer and closer to federally legal because, you know, more states are becoming legal and people who yesterday were saying, oh no, it's bad are now saying, oh, market opportunity. Oh, and so there's so many aspects to it. But how about you just tell me what, what you're doing with that? Well, yeah, so Leaf Trade is another one of our portfolio companies. And so it's doing very well. So kind of just some latest stuff. So they actually just closed a, a pretty big round and they're hitting the gas. So growing, hiring. Uh, they're in 12 states right now. A whole bunch of Did transactions. You, it says you co-founded it. Yes. Uh, did, oh. yeah, so it's so your this, portfolio company now, but... Yeah, yeah. So I'm always on the prowl for things. And the way that we build things or, or I build things, it's there's no individual model for it. I mean, right. I, you put things into a... There's no equation. Yes, yes. You can put things into a framework, but it is, you know, when things come across you, they do. So this is one that when, you know, everything went legal in Illinois, like about four years ago or so, everything heightened and it was like, okay, this is like on our home turf. Let's see if there's, what opportunities are here. So right away, you just sort of go, this is obviously going to be massive opportunity. What's here? You know, on the outside, everyone could kind of probably poke through the same holes. And so we sort of were hovering around it. And then a friend of mine won a couple of licenses to be dispensers here. And through what? Like a, like a raffle or... No, no. Well, I mean, a competition. No, no. It was so Illinois and a lot of states do this. They all kind of do it differently, but a lot of them have followed the same model as Illinois. But they awarded it was like seventy licenses or something, and then you apply, and then they would sort them out, and mm, then apply, okay. so and then award them. So it was a very like applying for school. Or yes, a scholarship. Very competitive, very, very competitive. And uh, and also very, I mean, just sort of unknown. I mean, it was new. Yeah, you know, yeah. everyone involved, people judging, people applying. Ambiguous. Yes, yeah. very ambiguous. I mean, kind of random, to, you could say to agree. But anyway, someone I became uh, good friends with won some licenses. And that was the tip where you're like, oh, now we're in the end. Now we can be on the inside. Hmm. And so now we can see the ins and outs of, of the actual problem. And so, yes, that is a core philosophy of anything. That I think the core of opportunities come from is that insider lens. So, you know, I'm in tech, I'm an entrepreneur. I mean, I'm kind of a generalist. I've touched so many things. You know, there's a lot of places I can't get, right? Like I'm not going to be able to say how to innovate, you know, for the nurses operations in the back of a hospital, for example, right? I'm just not exposed to that. I'm not going to be able to innovate on like what a mechanic does when they fix a car. Like I'm just not exposed to that. So one of the big triggers that makes my gears go is when I do get insider or insight into something that I don't know, that a normal kind of casual person can't get. So again, cannabis whoa, how to grow cannabis, how to sell cannabis, how, what are the regulations, what are the laws? 
now we sort of had that link up and that that was a big catalyst. So now we could really see everything that was going on from the inside. What are the operations? What are the hurdles? What really is the problem? So we kind of went in there with, well, we can look at all these things, you know, from delivery to security, to selling, to packaging, to everything, you name it. And we landed on a thing. And again, I think it's, it's gone very well is really just sort of this marketplace, the selling in between the dis- cultivator and the dispensary. So it's basically the wholesale marketplace. What this allows people in the cannabis space to do is make all these transactions and place all their orders in a centralized place with all of the regulations compliance of the industry. And it kind of levels everything up to what I would call is like a normal commerce experience. Normal commerce experience. Yes. Taking away all of the ambiguity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they and even some people still, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of drug dealing for lack of a, a better way to describe it. I mean, it was... That's, that's valid. Yeah, yeah. They, they would text, hey, what, what you got? How much is it? And then negotiating. And like, it was, you know, it was a very back of the napkin type of experience. Back of and, the napkin. And this, <laughs> this was, uh, you know, hey, and that makes sense. It's a new market. It's evolving. But this provided a lot of structure. And we really focused in on that, not selling to the public. Uh, there are people still drug dealing over the phone. I'm not saying oh, any yeah. names. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the black market is massive. Black market uh, is massive. <laughs> Please continue. Yeah. So Leaf Trade, again, it kind of went through a process that, you know, we sort of typically do. You know, you you get heightened of, of an opportunity or an idea. You explore it with the techniques that you explore. And when you see a lane, I mean, you got to shoot the lane. Like you you got to execute that lane. And opportunity, so, go. Yeah. And so that requires a lots of things coming together, right? Oftentimes there has to be some capital. There has to be the right partners. There has to be the right market acceptance. So many variables. So yeah, many variables. Yeah. And so, you know, if we were a year earlier, if we were a year later, I mean, who knows if we would would have gotten the traction that we've gotten. I mean, it, it's that, I don't want to say random, but it, it is oftentimes that yeah, that small of yeah, a window. Yeah. And so when it hit our home turf though, it's like you could, we say, knew we it's had like you could say it was luck, but at the same time, who are you to say it was luck because there's so many variables. Yeah. The same thing that makes it lucky is the same thing that makes it unlucky. Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> I mean, exactly. So, I mean, and, and we put ourselves in a position to succeed at, at various steps of the way. And I like sports. So I'm a sports fan and, you know, there's all these sports analogies and, you know, it's a game of inches they say in a lot of sports. What's your favorite sport? I grew up playing soccer. I was okay, a big soccer too, guy. Okay, me too. Me yeah, too. Okay, yeah. I, so I, I grew I, up in the World Cup. Whoa! Yeah, and, and, yeah. and the men's national team didn't make the. Yeah, so the, the men's team is in shambles. The women's team is obviously killing it. It's amazing <laughs> to see. My uh, kids had ha- Halloween. It was a big deal for the young kids, and we went to their schools and watched the costume parade. There were so many girls dressed up as women's soccer. There were no boys dressed up as women as men's soccer players, and wow, I was like, yeah. wow, that's a sh- that's a shift in half. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I mean that's I, empowering. Yeah, I, I don't consider myself an off-the-wall fanatic but you know I'm a fan off-the-wall fanatic (laughs) but I'm a fan how do you see in your head the cannabis industry evolving in an ideal way what is a positive outcome we can try to aim for for the cannabis market you know, I don't know. I It is something that we ponder a lot and, and it's it's discussed a lot in, in lots of circles. And it is amazing how wide the spectrum is on beliefs of this. Like it is it is kind of amazing. A lot of people don't understand it. A lot of people don't want to understand it. And and then people have also experienced it a lot of different ways. The biggest thing though that has had the most impact, specifically going through leaf trade, is that the medical side of it is 
is for real. I mean, like that absolutely, is, yeah. That, is, that did sort of again. We talk about kind of lightning bolts or the epiphany. That was a huge epiphany while going through Leaf Trade, or, or mm. as we've been going through Leaf Trade. So as you were developing it, you also realized the kind of profound medical. Yeah, because it was. I mean, when we started it, it we were just tar- targeting medical states. When okay. we, basically, Illinois was our our beachhead, and it was just medical. So all we were dealing with is medical. We're you know relatively young people. You know, we haven't had you know some of those you know maybe chronic things that this. Works out for, but then we, we got fully exposed to it, and it was it was very eye opening to see that. And you're going, oh wow, this is this is a very powerful solution to help people, and they need it, and it's prolonging their lives, it's keeping their quality of life, and it has no harm or anything else. So I think the medical side of it is just insanely. I can't think of any argument why that wouldn't continue to be better. Not even just for pain reducing. I mean, they're doing all these studies with it now, now that it's kind of opened up. They're just finding all these chemicals to pull out of it and all that stuff. The rec side of it, I mean, it's interesting. I, you know, I've definitely partaken taken in it in my career or in my life, in my career. Um, and you know, it's, it, it is, uh, it is interesting. You know, I, I, again, I have kids and if my kid turns 18 or 21 or whatever year it is, you know, what is my take on what they're doing? I don't think it's I like, a, you could say it for anything. Yes. It's just a matter of your responsibility. Yes. It's like, you could say the same yes. thing about alcohol, yes. about cigarettes, about any kind of habit. Yes. I mean, you're exactly right. I don't have a problem with it. I don't think that it's, I don't think it's going to hurt anything. I don't think it's going to, you know, make anything better per se in the big scheme of social society. But I do think the medical thing is an absolute must. And I, and, and, and yeah. it's going, I mean, it's going to, ha- I mean, it's already happening. Like that's, it's not going to go back. I mean, if it goes back, that would be pretty crazy in the United States. Like that would be insane. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people do, some really? people are saying it. Yeah. I mean, you talk to investors, you raise money and they're like, well, what if the government does this? You're like, well, I mean, okay, that's not, I mean, it is. If they're fools. By every month that goes by and a new state puts on the green light, obviously the risk is, is getting lower. But in terms of business, it's a very tricky environment to handle yeah, because yeah. it's siloed. And once they like open it up federal, if they open a federal, all these big guys are going to come in and it's yeah, going to just, yeah. it's going to be a bloodbath. And there, I don't think there's any way it's going to go back. I don't think so. Like you're pointing to earlier, a, a matter of responsibility. There's all of these opportunities that we can take advantage of when it comes to cannabis medically and and the market opportunities of it being used recreationally and just people's kind of psychological freedom of being able to use it recreationally. Think about all of the people who for a good chunk of their life just accepted some kind of idea that there's a negative connotation to it and then suddenly it's as commonplace as alcohol and now they have to question themselves oh am I just taking on the ideas of people around me I think that's a very healthy thing yep. it'll have people think for themselves I mean it's just, it's just kind of crazy that it's happening it seems like it came out of nowhere you know I mean rec goes to Illinois in the 2020 so like a couple months and I guess I never thought it would be this way and now that it is I can't think of it not being this way I mean it's yeah. sort of Weird. It's, it's so a weird, strange. Yeah, it's yeah. a weird how that flipped in like two years. Yeah. Uh, it's like, whoa, how did we get here? Yeah. And then, oh, okay, we're, not, we're here. How is it not here? Yeah. <laughs> how, in your opinion, can we use technology to enhance human intelligence versus progressively technology and technology being something that we rely on and our day-to-day abilities to be able to be conscious about what we do diminishes? Uh, I don't know. You know... 
That's I, a valid answer <laughs> for you to I, say. I know. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, tech. I don't think I really look at technology as sort of this warping, you know, brain suck. Or, no, or me the, neither. You know, um, it's a mindless thing. It's a tool. Yeah. It can be used to enhance your cognition or or not. And I, I think it's just uh, based on the ways we help people be better at being people. Well, the word better is a very subjective yeah, word, right? True. And, and I, I hope I live till I'm like 150. I just love observing and seeing, you know, reflecting and, you know, just seeing the changes I've undergone in my personal life and, and watching things around me change and grow. But the evolution of technology has been insane in my lifetime from, I mean, I was around again, we talked about, you know, no, no internet, no phone, no smartphones to now, you know, everything there. And, you know, I look at the screen time right now. They have, they track your screen times right on the apps now yeah, yeah. or the, the phones. I mean, it's insane, right? I mean, I'm on, I I'm on my the... phone insanely amount of times and a lot of it's business. Some of it's pleasure. It's come of it's in the gray area. You know, I, I think it's business. <laughs> more and more. Sure. <laughs> I think uh, this is business. <laughs> I think I'm, so I, I would say this, I think there is a natural reaction to sort of doubt and reject change. And I think the pace that this is happening, it just has that immediate, like, whoa, whoa, pump the brake. Like, whoa, you're you're taking over my life. This is happening fast. So I think there is that initial reaction in general. And I think I have that to a degree sometimes. I think, you know, technology is just an evolution. I mean, I, yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't, you know, like, what is our brain doing? Are we learning the things? No. I mean, I, I'm watching, again, I have young kids. They're going through school, just started school. My oldest is in first grade, so very young. But some of the stuff they're doing or some of the stuff they're being taught, you're kind of going like, oh, this is very interesting. I wasn't taught that at that age. But yeah, yeah. most importantly, what, I can't wait till... When are they going to get exposed to all this stuff and what's happening? And I would say that technology, you know, we're in the information age. You can have a discussion, go, let's check. We have so much more knowledge than we had, which allows us to use our brain to do other things. So yeah, yeah. it's like intelligence is not about facts. I mean, it is, but it's, it's, it's not what, about memorizing facts. Yes, it's about being able to utilize. Yes, it's the being able to go, well, this with this fact, I'm going to make this point or with this fact, I'm going to tell this story or with this memory, I'm going to enhance this. So like if I can capture a memory, or record a podcast, I can tell a different story. So it, I guess I could have phrased the question better because what you're saying is that better technology is giving us better and better tools, sharp, sharper and sharper acts, right? And that itself, whether what it's used for or not, the fact that we're getting a sharper and sharper axe isn't something that we should say, oh, whoa, whoa, back yeah. away from. Yes. It's just how do we make sure that we're giving people better hands to hold it with? <laughs> you know, I, per, perhaps <laughs> this interesting analogy. I mean, I think when I really started my career, I guess, it was in like the early, kind of early 2000s when I was really in the trenches of, of like front of development designing, you know, like building tech. And, you know, building a website was, I don't want to say it was hard, but I mean, it was a thing, you know, like selling online was kind of difficult. There wasn't a universal accepted format of checking out and putting your credit card in. People were very scared of the internet. They are now, but they, they are... They are they're afraid of different more, things. Yeah. They're afraid of different things. They're not afraid of putting their credit card in. It was interesting. I mean, you know, I worked at a business where we were making money. You could build like a $40,000 sales website and you can do that now for $20. Yeah. Wow. So you go, okay. Or, or you know, or a hundred dollars or maybe even $5,000. It depends on what you want. But, but the point is, I remember these tools started coming out where you're like, oh, make your own website, you know, like Wix, one in one Squarespace. Squarespace yeah. Those weren't out at those times, but there were, there were earlier iterations that were coming out. And you remember going like, oh, that's awesome. You know, 
kind of wish I jumped on making some of those actually. Those are very cool tools and obviously very lucrative companies. But I remember at the precipice of that, you're like, okay, well, as a custom app company or a custom software company, we shouldn't be building that. So let's go build bigger, better thing. I think that's kind of how I see it, technology in general. It's like, okay, that that is now easier. I can order food faster. I can look up the weather faster. It can tell me things that I want before I know that I want them. I don't see that as brainwashing me or stopping me from growing or learning. I see it making me grow in a different way. Right. right and I, right. I've been around kind of healthcare a lot, in and out of healthcare, and mm. there's so much pharma, there's so much drugs, there's so much regulation around what a drug can do and why it can do it. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing as technology. Technology is kind of not really regulated, but it's the same type of thing. An app comes out that, again, changes your behavior. I mean, a drug comes out, it changes your behavior. Yeah, yeah. And so it's all just evolving. Where do we draw the line and what's good and what's bad? I don't I don't know. It's crazy. I, everything we do is changing who we are. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you say, are we spending less time outdoors? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's a fact. Are we seeing less sunlight? Yes. <laughs> is that bad? You yeah. Know, I don't well, know. It, when it comes to prescription drugs, for example, we're prescribing more drugs than ever before. Yeah. And I think this kind of says something about the times we're living in that people think a pill is going to fix the way they feel about themselves. But unfortunately, unfortunately, this hasn't been set up in our education system today. And I'm not going to rant, but we are not taught how to manage our own thought and emotion that's not taught in school it's taught about how to fix the external world constantly how to fix everything around us but not how to necessarily fix ourselves. I got off a call yesterday from like Illinois Public Health Department or something wanted to go through a survey with me and they say so in the past 30 days or a few years or something how much have you been depressed and I thought this was a dumb question. I told the caller, I said, well, if I give you this information, how is this going to help you guys make good decisions? Because my emotion is something I'm constantly manufacturing. Whether or not I was diagnosed younger with something like general anxiety disorder, for example, unfortunately, people think stress and anxiety is is an extra limb. This whole idea of stress management. Oh, you manage your business, you manage your property, you, you manage things that you care about. But managing stress implies that it's something that will never go away and and i think that itself is a false belief people can get better and better like working out at being able to manufacture their own emotions because when you realize your emotions are are your making then wouldn't you want to make the best ones all the time without get, i mean getting too kind of philosophical here right. but there is an interesting topic there so i've always said this many times to entrepreneurs so the, the one thing that i think is very tough about being a uh, quote entrepreneur or, or whatever. I do think there's a lot of labels and there's a lot of baggage stereotypes that like, go along with anything, but I do think there's this sort of Silicon Valley stereotype that from my experience is, is kind of a myth. I mean, I've seen, you know, lots of people succeed and not at all the way people think that they should be succeeding. And so there's a myth and there's this pressure on an entrepreneur to do something a way that was done in Silicon Valley with some successful people many years ago, mm, which yeah, is just yeah. a very interesting concept. Like that, we haven't really gotten away from it as a society, and you know, and there's a lot of mental things that come along with that around expectations. Well, hey, if I'm doing this, a VC is going. Well, why aren't you doing it? The quote, eighty hour. I'm working eighty hours a week. Thing. It's it's insane. Like that's yeah. not a thing. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it happens. We've all worked eighty hours a week. Work is a subjective phrase these days. I right. mean, you know, we were talking about the gray area of work. 
But being an entrepreneur, it's not about that. It's not what that is. And so I think there is a mental side of it where people are going, well, it should be X. People are telling you it should be X. Right. People that have done it are going, you should be this. It's like, no, no, no. You are who you are. You have the cards that are dealt in your hand. You have to play the hand based on that. You have to make the move based on that. Right. I actually do think the opposite. If you're an anxious person mm-hmm. and you're a stressful person, that's just that's how you're going to be. Hmm. You know, you, you have that. If you're not, and that's not, not you're going to be either. Everyone has their flaws. Everyone has their strengths. You have to recognize that to be successful any profession you do. And I and I firmly- well, I can I can tell you, Jeffrey, that even just a year ago, I was a extremely more anxious person day to day than I am now. And I can I can tell you just based on my own experience, not any idea given to me, I can confidently tell you that I've almost cured my anxiety entirely through That's things awesome. like meditation and just being aware of this ever present moment. No, 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 not that one. <laughs> This one. Yes. No, 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 not that one. This one. <laughs> and you just do that over and over again. You realize that you're making how you feel and you can get better at doing that consciously. Most people are just running around doing it unconsciously. I saw a kind of billboard somewhere and it was like, if constantly living in the past, you're sad. If you're constantly worrying about the future, you're anxious. And- if you live in the present, you know, you're you're truly at peace or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's I, not truly at peace. It's just you're actually living. You're yes. just in reality. <laughs> because you people say, oh, live in the moment. Tell me, have you ever lived in another moment? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, true. But I mean, but to go back to the entrepreneur side, though. Yeah, yeah. This is a, a very big thing that I've learned. I've had anxiety and, and, and even failures, you know, you'll meet someone or you'll, you'll watch an interview or you'll go to, you know, you'll be introduced and you're like, Oh my God, that person's smarter than me. They've grown faster than me. They've raised more money than me. What am I doing? And you know, this is dumb. And, and like that, or, you know, that person codes better than me or whatever, you know, that's the death of anyone. And and I think that, and that's, that's why I got to say, who said this, I forget who said this was comparison is the thief of joy. I thought, yeah, that, that's a I good forget. one. I don't know. I don't didn't, didn't know that one. And I think again, wh- what I do or, or or what I'm constantly involved in is sort of going. All right, obviously you want to have all of the buckets filled to be successful. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're not all the way filled, or sometimes they're not even there. Sometimes there's not even a bucket there. And so you just have to deal with what is there, and you got to do the best that you can. And so that's a lot of it. It's like you got to power through with what you know and what you don't know. I'm very bad at a lot of things. I'm very good at a lot of things. There are times that you get hung up on things that shouldn't hang you up because you're trying to, to solve it. So, I mean, again, to go back to entrepreneur, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs want to code or lear- try to learn how to yeah. code or whatever. And it's a pretty insane thing to me. I mean, I, I, I used to be able to code. I, I don't anymore. I was never good at it. I was more of a front end person. So I just thought it was more of like a game. I was just putting together a puzzle. I loved it actually. But you know, I spent a couple of years doing it and I, I was a professional at it. But I mean, some people just go, I'm going to take a little uh, class. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to then be a coder to build my startup and you know, right off in the sunset and you go, wait a minute, hold on. You don't even have your business model down. You don't even know how to sell. <laughs> Why are you spending time learning how to code? That's not the the low hanging fruit here. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, it's very interesting. I mean, I mentor a lot of people. I'm always trying to help people uh, that I can, specifically locally. I love kind of helping the community out. When I kind of see that sign, I was like, oh yeah, that's great. I mean, it's a very impressive, and it's a it's a great skill to have. And by no means, if you can do it, do it. It's an amazing skill. But there's this mind where you're like, well, so how, how long have you been doing this company here? Well, you, you know, I've been doing it for eight months okay great what's this what's the status what's the progress well you haven't launched it yet 
well, what's going on? Well, I'm kind of teaching myself how to code. I'm learning to do anything. Well, I mean, you just spent eight months. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I don't learn, I guess learning how to code. So that's a skill, but you're not doing a business at that point. You're learning how to code. Right. And so, so you, you can't say you've been running a business yes, for eight yes. months. It's a, it's an interesting thing that I see where people, again, they get hung up on trying to fill gaps in their skills or yeah. businesses that I don't want to say aren't worth filling, but it, is it the best route for success to right. fill that bucket or, right. or do you find someone else that has that bucket or, or another resource or whatever. So, you know, being resourceful, being quick, being lean and not getting hung up on it. But coming back to vault too, is that, you know, that's one of the things that I love the most about what I do. I like sort of seeing the, you know, kind of landscape, putting something together, taking it apart and kind of putting it back together and seeing it come together is a, a very fulfilling thing. Like you go, wow, this, this is a really hard puzzle. Oh my God, we put the pieces in together and this came together. It's a, a very fulfilling experience. It's something that I really love doing and I love the constant challenge that it brings. But, you know, I come from like a product background. So, mm. you know, a lot of entrepreneurs come from subject matter expertise. Like you know, I was a professor for 10 years. I want to change the way we do assignments or something like, cause I hate the way it's being done. Like I know the problem. I'm going to fix it. You know, I'm an attorney. I've been doing this forever. I would need a new way of doing this. And then there's, and then there's kind of more, again, like a venture studio model or someone like me, where it's like, I have sort of manufactured or built so many companies and so many products that that's the lens I come from. And then I need to blend the subject matter expertise in there. And that's when you have the two subject matter expertise and then the ability to, to execute on it. That's when things get really interesting. And so how that formula comes together, there's a million ways to do it. And, you know, a venture studio like Vault is one of the ways. Getting a co-founder that covers those gaps is another ways. Uh, you know, raising money, using service, providing mean, whatever it is. There's so many ways to do that. That's a big part of this is just sort of finding the formula that fits for you to be able to move forward. And I've just seen so many people just go down on that. Well, that's not how that company did it. So, you know, I got to do it the way they're doing it. It's like, no, they're a different company. They're different people. You can do it a different way. Yeah. One thing I want to say Go for and it. And this is something I ran. This is something I just a kind of anecdotal thing. I'm always very intrigued with small innovations. I'm very intrigued by innovations that are not necessarily like business revenue generating innovations, but you know, I'm very intrigued with like signage and experiences. And I'm sitting here in this, you know, the studio. I don't come in, in studios very often. And you know, I'm just sort of analyzing like, okay, this is how this room is set up. There's these soundproofing on the walls and they're in a pattern that's very interesting. Why is it like a diamond shape? <laughs> you know, so I'm always very analyzing the environments that I'm in. I actually saw a, an article that just came out and I just thought this was so intriguing about again about innovation that this is not necessarily making money maybe it's making money I don't know it's the core of what I believe in is innovation and figuring you know lanes and gaps out that need a solution or need a, a change and if there's money involved with it it'll come if there truly is money to be involved but this innovation I saw it was at I don't remember some retail store and they had two baskets and it was a picture and they're like look at this innovation this is so cool and it was a red basket and it was a black basket and I kind of double take I was like I don't, I don't understand. What am I looking at here? And then I kind of zoomed in and one of the baskets had a sign above it, like the red basket. And it said, yes, I would love some help. I would love some assistance. And the black basket was leave me alone. I'm just shopping. Mm. And you go, oh, wow, there's now this indicator that says, hey, salesperson, come over to me. I need I need some help. And you go, does that does that make that retail company more money? Does it change anyone lives, anyone lives for billions of dollars? Probably not. <laughs> it probably does make uh, more fans of Sephora for certain people, but it's an innovation that makes something better. You know, and, and I'm just so intrigued by like these little tweaks and everything. And, and when you start putting many 
many tweaks together, you you start getting something really yeah, exciting. Yeah, yeah. And that um, didn't have anything to do with improving the chemical composition yeah. of their cosmetics. Yes, it they was. It was. Tweaked. It was just an experience that you know. Again, will it get more people to shop there? I mean, it, you know, to be determined. But I, the concept is like, yes, it would. It's a cool thing where you're like, that's brilliant. No additional cost. You know, right, it's not right. like they changed anything. They just have a different color basket. <laughs> and there's so many ways we can implement things exactly like just what you said in all areas of our work. If we just are a little more creative yeah. and open-minded. Yeah, yeah. That was a great thing to end this off with. Jeffrey, this has been more than a pleasure. Thank you so much for talking with me today. I hope anybody who listened got some inspiration, some insight, some uh, knowledge that they're going to take with and use to improve the world based on the, their best inclinations of the day there's a lot of people from very different kinds of areas of work who, who listen to the show so based on anybody who might possibly be listening how can they help you jeffrey make the world a more en- enjoyable and interesting place well always looking to meet people that are of a similar mindset which is you know enjoying what they do and enjoying to kind of make things easier for others right which is, I think is kind of the heart of what technology is for if anyone sort of has a problem that they feel that's just bothering them I, I'd love to discuss it more for, even from a personal perspective I'd love to just hear about it and, and learn about it because I'm very intrigued by that type of stuff but also there might even be an opportunity to just do something with that and and uh, you know make make something out of it that is a, a venture, a product, or something new. So how could people reach out? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, so my uh, company is uh, Vault Innovation. So vaultinnovation.com is our website. Uh, you can send me an email at jeffrey at vaultinnovation.com. Find me on any, you know, pretty much any of the kind of social stuff out there, LinkedIn. I mean, reach out to me anytime. I, I, I'd love to talk shop anytime. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Thank you. Whoever you are, wherever you are, you're appreciated. I appreciate you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, whether you liked it a little or a lot. And I hope you feel inspired to join us on this shared mission to improve the world alongside each other and the quality of our human lives. If you want to learn more, visit our website at dogoodcollab.com. That's dogoodcollab.com. I put this podcast out at least once a week, so stay tuned. Truly, we can live an amazing, enjoyable life together, but we have to make it happen together. Let's make it happen.